So a few weeks ago, uh, I think it was when we were talking about submitting to one another, and I said that one of the things that you get to a place where you can submit to others is, by, is through humility, and I gave people a bunch of different ways you could be humbled, and I said that a reason or a way that you can be humbled is to be a uh, UCLA football fan, and um, I did not know how true that was. <laughs> So we are getting humbled all, every week it seems, we get humbled just a little bit more. So yeah, it's pretty fun. Hey, uh, this is the last uh, sermon in our series on the one another. So we've gone through the whole summer and just talking about what does it mean to, um, to all these different ways of, of interacting with each other. Um, next week, we will uh, kind of have a uh, pre-sermon, get ready for In a Step Sunday, which will be the following Sunday. And and again, uh, like Ken said, In His Steps is one of the great Sundays, I believe, where we'll meet here at 9 o'clock, everybody. Uh, we'll do a couple worship songs, say a prayer, and then we'll go out. And we'll go out and do different projects all over the community and different people's homes at schools. We'll do some stuff here, too. So if you don't feel like you can go out and do stuff, there will be things here. But it is just a way of, of actually living out. Here's what it means to be a follower of Jesus, I believe. And it's just a great way of of being Jesus uh, to our community. So that will happen in two weeks. Next week will be just kind of, a, uh, kind of preparing us for that, let's say, I'd say. So, all right. So today we're looking at love one another. First, the scripture is John 13. This is what Jesus says. It's the, it's the night Jesus is betrayed. It's the night Jesus has just washed his disciples' feet. He's done the Last Supper with his disciples, and he says this. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Kind of a daunting couple verses, isn't it? I mean, first and foremost, he says, uh, this is a command, this isn't a suggestion. This isn't something you should maybe think about doing. He says, this is a command. And the, and the words that are used are words of command. That, that we are to love one another. And he says a new command. And what is interesting, because this is not new in terms of its... Um, it, what it means is it's a fresh way of looking at things. Because we know in the Old Testament, there's many places where it says that we are to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. Jesus, earlier in the Sermon on the Mount, says that we are to even love our enemies. But what he says here is this is a fresh way of looking at what it means to love each other. And he says that you are to love others as I, as Jesus, have loved you. I mean, that is an incredible thing because Jesus loved us unconditionally. He loves us uh, faithfully, sacrificially, eternally. And it can be a little overwhelming to think, can I actually love other people as Jesus has loved me? That's what he's commanding us to do. So today I want to think about how do we do that? What does that look like? You know, I kind of think that this command of loving one another is kind of the umbrella that covers everything else we've looked at this summer. Um, I think in the study guide it says something like there's over 50 of these one another's in Scripture. We looked at quite a few of them. We looked at them. It was, so if you have love one another as kind of the umbrella, underneath that you'd have 
pray for one another, confess to one another, bear with one another, forgive one another, encourage one another, admonish one another, submit to one another, serve one another, be hospitable to one another, greet one another, live at peace with one another, and be devoted to one another. And that love is a verb and that this is how you live it out is by doing all these other things. So I was with somebody this last week and we were talking and, um, and she said to me, um, nothing against your sermon, but, and I love when this happens, okay? Let me just say that this is great. In fact, in the summer here, this has happened three times to me now, okay? Which is great. I love it. In fact, one person uh, said, hey, you, you taught us a couple weeks ago to admonish one another. Well, I'm admonishing you. I'm like, great. Okay, so this is really good because what that means is people are listening and people are thinking about this past the Sunday morning. And if that happens to me, that, that's all I can ask, okay? So I love this. So nothing against your sermon, but are you just asking us to do more? It feels like, You've given us this whole list of things, and now I feel like I just have to try and do more and more and more stuff. And that's a really great question, isn't it? Because it can feel a little overwhelming when you look at this list, right? And it can feel like, how do I do this? And as life just now, I kind of get a checklist, and I say, okay, good, I prayed for somebody today, I did that. Okay, I confess to somebody, I did that. I bear with them. Is it just a checklist of more things I have to do? And the imagery I, I got with this was it can feel sometimes like I'm holding my hands out and people just keep laying bricks in my hands over and over and over of more things I'm supposed to do for one another. And the feeling is, how do I do this? How do I do this without it becoming a burden in my life? And what does this look like? So again, today what I want us to think about is that loving one another is the umbrella that allows us then to do these other things. And how can we do them? So it's not just a checklist, not just a bunch of stuff I feel like I have to do, but something that flows out of my own life. So here's, uh, we're going to go through some stuff here. This is a great truth. God teaches us how to love. In 1 Thessalonians 4, listen to this, verse 9. Paul writes, Now about your love for one another, we do not need to write to you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love each other. Isn't that a great phrase, a great verse? That God actually desires to teach us how to love one another. And so Paul's writing to the Thessalonians, and he says, God has is, is taught you how to love each other. And, and we have to think through that when he was writing this to them, that there was nothing, no New Testament. None of that stuff had been written down anywhere. So all they had was the Old Testament. But in the Old Testament, there is definitely places where God talks about, here's how you are to love one another. Here's how you're to treat others. So that they could learn by reading the scriptures. They could learn as they study the scriptures. But I believe that that's not where it stops. I believe that God then would put people into their lives, gives us examples of people who love us well so that we then learn to love others, that he gives us examples of grace in our own lives, and that we learn about how to love others when others have loved us, and we see how it's happening. 
But what a great phrase that God will teach you how to love other people. When we don't know how to do it, and let's, again, let's just be honest, there are some people that it's hard for us to love. Probably people in this room who you have trouble loving sometimes. There's people in your families you have difficulty loving. People at work. And so the prayer would be, Lord, teach me how to love that person. Show me how to do, how to do this. But what a great truth that when we're, when we're trying to struggle with how do I do this, to go, okay, Lord, the Lord will teach you how to love people. That's a great truth. The second truth is that loving others is a work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And, and in, in the fruit of the Spirit, right, the first one is love, right? The fruit of the Spirit is love. And many, many, many commentators will say that that is, you could, you could put a, a semicolon after that, you could almost put a period after that, and that the ones that follow, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, describe what it is to love people, but that love is the fruit of the Spirit, the main fruit of the Spirit. And that, that when we learn how to experience the Holy Spirit in our life, then we can love others. And Paul says this in, another, in Romans 5.5, 5, another great verse. Here's what he says. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. That, that when we come to Christ and the Holy Spirit comes into our lives, he brings God's love into our life. He fills us, it says, right? With the, that it's been poured out into our hearts. And so we experience God's own love in our lives through the filling of the Holy Spirit. That, that, that God will teach you how to love others and that the Holy Spirit will actually fill you with his love so that you can then love other people. You see, the only way we can do what we've been talking about this summer, whether it's um, serving others, being, uh, practicing hospitality, uh, confessing our sins to one another, the only way any of that stuff can actually happen is through the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Because our natural tendency would be to not do that. Our natural tendency would be to know, let me just keep to myself. Let me just kind of keep people at arm's length. And yet when the Holy Spirit is in us and, ch and challenging us, then we can do these things and can actually practice these one another's with other people. So though. God teaches us how to love others. The Holy Spirit fills us with God's love. And the third truth that's so important for us is that we love because God first loved us. That the way we can love other people is because we have first experienced love in our own lives through our Lord. Uh, 1 John is all filled with this. You know, they, they, they describe John as the disciple of love, right? You've got uh, Paul might be the disciple of faith and James the disciple of good works, but, but John is known as the disciple of love. And his books are just 
filled with what it means to know love, to experience love, and to know God's love. And here at John chapter, 1 John chapter 4, here's what he writes. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Everyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we ought to love one another. And then verse 19, we love because he first loved us. And, and this love that God has given us, again, is, it's this incredible love. It's agape in the New Testament. It, it is, it's it's unconditional, it's sacrificial, it's never-ending. It's an incredible type of love that he has experienced. And it is not dependent upon anything I have done. I have not done anything to deserve this love. It is all about God's grace in my life. And so John says that the, the, the best description of what this love is like is when you see that Jesus died for you on this cross for your sins, that he's an atoning sacrifice for us, and that we can love others now because we've experienced the love of God in our own lives. So God will teach us. The Holy Spirit will fill us with his love. We can love because God has first loved us. And our love for others is an overflow of God's love in our own life. Here's what Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians 3. It says, May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other, for everyone else, just as ours does for you. May he strengthen your hearts so that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of our God and the Father when our Lord Jesus comes with all his holy ones. But Paul says up there that may your love increase and overflow for one another. So, so here is like the easiest, most simple illustration of all time. This glass is our life. This picture is God and his love. And what God, God desires to do, this is heavier than I thought it was going to be, okay, <laughs> is, to, um, is to fill our lives with his love. Now, sometimes there, we put up blocks, obstacles, that, that for whatever reason doesn't allow God's love to really fill us. It can be a, a sin, something that we're holding on to, something like that. It, it can be a, even anger, bitterness, unforgiveness, I think, sometimes. But, but sometimes there's something that, that keeps us from actually allowing God's love to fill our lives. But what, what Paul is saying here, though, is that may the Lord make your love increase and overflow. And so really what God wants to do is just fill us. And wants it to flow over into those around us. And God's love for us should be spilling over out of our lives into the lives of those around us. It should first and foremost be in our families and those that we're closest to. That should be the place 
where we experience God's love for one another most than anything. But then it shouldn't stop there. It should move into our families, into people in our core group. It should move into people we work with, whatever. But it all is allowing God's love to really fill us to a place where it is just overflowing into the lives of others. And so for me, as I've thought about this this week and kind of the, the finale of this and how do we treat people this way and how do we do these one another's, is yes, it's very important to study them and look at Scripture and to think about it and think, man, am I, am I holding on to unforgiveness towards somebody? Is there, is there somebody that I really should be serving or whatever? And think about But also allowing God's love to fill you so it is overflowing into the lives of others. I think it's a key. The key to loving others is to fully experience God's love daily. It's beyond knowing just in my mind that God loves me, but it's experiencing it in your heart that God loves you. It means having practices that you practice on a daily basis that remind you that God loves you. It can be just sitting in, in silence for a little bit and just reminding yourself that, that uh, Jesus Christ loves me and he died for my sins. It could mean taking and reading the accounts of the crucifixion throughout a week and just being reminded that that's how much God loves you. But doing these things that allow the love of God to fill your life. My prayer for us this week has come out of Ephesians chapter 3, where Paul writes this. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. And where Paul writes there that you may know his love, again, it's not knowing it just in your head, but knowing it as an experience. That we would know how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. So this week, Put some stuff into your life, some habits, a practice that rem- that where you get to a point where you are reminded of God's own love for you. And, and I believe that coming together on Sundays should be a place where this, ha- this should happen here. We should, we should come and we should experience, whether it's through worship or the preaching or being with each other, whatever, we should remind each other of God's love for us. Because there's not a lot of other places that might happen. It might not happen at your work that people are going to remind you how much God loves you. It may not happen at school that people are going to remind you how much God loves you. But man, it sure should happen at church that we should remind each other how much God loves us and desires to have a relationship with us. So we're going to um, do something here at the end a little different. So I'll have Kyle and the team come back up. 
And in a moment here, I'm just, I w- just want to open it up. And, and what we're going to do is, the phrase is going to be, the prompt is, I know God loves me. I know, <laughs> there's the prompt. I know I am deeply loved by God because. And I just want to speak that out. And you're going to have to use your outside voice when you say something because we want this to be out. But I want this just to be an encouragement. And maybe there's a word or a couple words or a short phrase or maybe there's a Bible verse that reminds you of this. And maybe you've memorized that verse and you want to share that. Or maybe you just know that it's John 3.16 and you just want to say that or whatever. But I just want us to end by filling each other up with the love of God and reminding each of us how much God loves us. Okay? That's what we need to do on Sundays, I believe. So, I know I'm deeply loved by God because of his beautiful creation. What else do we have? Hear this from Romans 8. It says, For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord.